Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. What I'd like to look at uh, specifically today is our sense of security. Where do we derive our security? Because I believe security is of utmost importance as we go forth in mission. And uh, God has called us uh, into mission, so I want to see how those work together. I'll define security just from the Webster's Dictionary. Something that gives or assures safety, tranquility, and certainty. So security is a very necessary component for mission. And by mission, I mean the work that God has given us to do as co-partners with him. Uh, Lottie Moon is a Christian saint from our past, a missionary to China, and I'll quote her that she says, the object of our conversion was not just the salvation of our own souls, but that we might become co-workers with our Lord. So mission is something that we get to do from our relationship with Jesus Christ. In our Micah passage, I'll just note that mission is outlined in using the words, what is required of us? But we'll see that this is not a transactional requirement. It's a relational requirement. We're in relationship with Christ, and so we are on mission. I want to identify the problem, though, that we need a sense of security and mission, but we look to the wrong sources for security. And we sometimes do so without even realizing it's happened. Uh, Instead, we need to look to Jesus Christ as the only true source of our security as we go out on mission. And thinking about the wrong sources of security, I I was reminded of this when I recently read um, an article by the authors of a book called Crucial Conversations. Uh, Crucial Conversations is a great book about relationships. It's used a lot in business. I'd encourage you all to read it. But I was... um, I was kind of struggling with this article because the authors were talking about how um, the article was actually on feedback, how when we receive feedback, no matter how um, sort of kindly it's delivered, uh, we don't do very well. Um, And uh, and so the authors were saying that we need to um, have kind of a place of psychological safety when receiving feedback from others, something that keeps us grounded. And they rightly pointed out that we oftentimes look to others to find our safety. So we'll look to other relationships, we'll look to possessions, we'll look to money, we'll look to success to give us that feeling that we're secure in ourselves. And rightly, the authors were pointing out that those are inconsistent sources of security. However, they went on to say that they, uh, that, or she went on to say that we would find security in understanding our self-worth and in knowing more of ourselves that we could find our place of security. However, I kind of find a problem with that. If we're just looking to ourselves, um, you might realize that you're kind of like me, uh, the inconsistency is still there. So whether we're looking to sources outside of ourselves, if we're looking to a source just within ourselves for security, 
those um, don't end up helping us to have a true security. Our true security is only found in an outside source, but only in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. It's in him alone that we know the safety and security that we need for going forth in mission, being co-partners with him. So I find that we are often drifting to a place of insecurity when we've forgotten what God has done for us in the past. We don't have an understanding of what he's doing right now in the present and also what he's doing in the future. So I want to think about how um, we forget, how this is just part of who we are. So we have young people in the room and we have old people in the room today. And that's what you share as a commonality. So if you're a young person in the room, maybe you've had the experience of forgetting your lunch as you go to school. Or if you're an older person in the room, maybe you've forgotten where you've placed your keys or your phone. So we all share this feeling of like we forget things um, and we need to be reminded. One of the things that it would seem like we shouldn't forget, but we do, is we forget who we are in Christ. We forget the person of Christ and the security he brings. I was thinking about this, kind of like what picture comes to mind with this. And I had the picture of fishing uh, with my grandfather. When I was a little kid, I would go fishing with him on the lake that my grandparents had a cabin on. And the lake was a very sandy bottom. And so when you put the anchor um, out from the boat, if, it, if there was really any wind at all, you would still end up drifting because there was nothing for that anchor to catch hold on. But my grandfather would oftentimes take us to a place on the lake where he knew like there was a fallen tree in the water or there was a rock underneath the surface and the anchor would have an anchor hold and we'd be able to stay in that area without drifting. That's a picture that came to my mind when I'm thinking this morning in these passages about our sense of security, that we have an anchor hold. We need to be reminded of that today because of how good we are at forgetting. So let's um, first start with our Micah passage, where it talks about the forgetting of the past. In this passage, um, uh, we, you know, we're starting in chapter 6. Um, Micah is presenting from the Lord like a legal accusation to the people. They've forgotten the agreement that they're in with God. He has made a covenantal agreement with them that they are in a relationship with him. Instead, they've been blown off course. And if you read the first five chapters of Micah, you see that they've been blown off course because they are looking to other sources for security. They're looking to wealth. They're looking to the practices of other nations. They're looking to other gods. And so they have forgotten that sense of security in the Lord and in that relationship with him and are just trying to find it in all of these other places. There's an interesting consequence that I think is implied um, in a question that God asks his people, a consequence to their forgetting and then to looking to other sources. When we look to other sources for our security, what happens is we get tired out because it takes a lot of work to derive our security from outside sources. So God asks a rhetorical question of his people. What have I done to you? How have I wearied you? And you get the insight that, um, and as you read the first five chapters, the people have been saying to God, you haven't done enough for us. 
You've wearied us. We're so tired out because you haven't come through for us. So they're complaining, they're weary, but they haven't actually been going to him as their true source of security. He answers them by reminding them of the past. He says, I've brought you up from the land of Egypt and out of slavery. I've set before you these leaders, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Remember, my people, what Balak, king of Moab, devised against you and what happened. If you need to be reminded of what happened, there was even a talking donkey involved in this rescue of the people. And it's something you might want to read if you're not familiar with that story of Balak and Balaam. What if in your family history you had a story like this? I was thinking about uh, in my family history, I had ancestors coming from Sweden to Minnesota. If I was able to say to you, when my ancestors came over and they got to the Mississippi River, it parted in two. And they were able to take their covered wagon through on dry ground. And then some leaders were given to them that were able to take them exactly to the place that they needed to go for true safety, including a talking donkey that helped make sure that enemies did not attack them. Do you think that that story, if I had that story in my family history, that that would have gotten passed down to me? or it just would have gotten forgotten. I think it would have been remembered. The problem with us is that we do have that story in our family history. That's the story of the Exodus. That's our story. The parting of the Red Sea, that's what God did for those people, but that's our family. This is our family. This is the story for us, and we need to be firmly anchored remembering our past. It's what keeps us secure. I love the Easter Vigil. I'm so glad you have, you celebrate that here at Redeemer, because all of those readings are grounding you in your story. So make sure to come to that. Um, I was thinking about what happens when an epic family story is shared. Sometimes a story is shared and like someone tries to outdo the story. But oftentimes when an epic story is shared, everyone realizes there's no way to outdo that story. And so then what happens is people will talk about kind of a story that's similar. It's a smaller story, but it has elements of that bigger story. And that's what we need to do. We need to think about those times when it seemed like there was no way through a situation. It was just impossible. But God made a way. Or we need to remember those times in our life where we were confronted by something that was against us or an enemy in front of us, and God protected us. God took us to the place we needed to go. We all have stories of things that were miraculous in our lives, that were impossible, that only God could do for us. And those are what we need to stay grounded in. That's what's going to provide the security that we need for moving forward in mission. So I just encourage you to think through what are some of those stories that you have in your own life? How do they connect to the stories that we all share as part of the scripture? And be thinking about how those keep you secure. Another expression that happens in forgetting is that we fret. And I love the word fret. And it's... Um, it, 
Our liturgical readings this morning include Psalm 37. So even though we didn't read it this morning, I want to include it because it is perhaps one of my favorite psalms. So I'll just share a little bit of it with you today. Fret not yourself. I love that language. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Do not be envious, for wrongdoers will soon fade like grass. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him and fret not. Refrain from anger. Forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It only leads to evil. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and delight themselves in abundant peace. I love the word fret because it's different from the word worry. When you worry, you typically worry about something that might happen, like you're worried about a test, you take the test, and you're no longer worried about that test. Whereas fretting implies a constancy to it. It's like an, something that's always in the back of your mind. It's something that you have no control over. It's something that you don't know the outcome of. And it resurfaces even when you're trying not to think about it. That's fretting. And the psalm shows us that um, when we fret, it's that part of that drifting away from what keeps us secure. Instead, we need to think about our future. So just like the past helps keep us secure, knowing our future also is that anchor hold that keeps us secure. So I'll confess that sometimes, not every time, but sometimes I'll read the last chapter of a book before I finish it. So, um, so the, here's my justification why I do that. Because I'm fretting. Because there's something that's bothering me that I need to know how it's going to end. And I might be in a situation where, like, I'm reading a book and I just don't have time to read it fast enough to know what's going to happen. So I'll flip to the last chapter, find out what happens. I'll be calm in reading the rest of the book, even if I have to put it down for a couple of days before I get back to it. I'm fretting about people who are not even necessarily real. So um, we do, we fret, but the, but the Lord is saying, look, here's the last chapter. You will dwell in the land. I have an inheritance for you. In this one, I'll start to cry, because in one psalm alone, eight different times, he talks about our inheritance and what is to come. We know the end of the story. And in the psalm, knowing the end of the story actually affects how we live right now. It changes our demeanor. It changes our character. We approach life differently. Here's some of the ways that we approach life. We're patient. We're able to be still. Uh, in one translation, instead of forsake wrath, it says forsake frustration and do not fret yourself. There's a calmness that comes. There's that security, that constancy that is exemplified in our life because we know the end of the story. We know what is to come. 
And so that is the security we need when we're asked to be co-partners with Christ on mission. We have that security of knowing, I know how this is going to end. And when we look at the wicked around us, those who are choosing not to follow God's path, it might seem like they have everything easy right now. Everything's coming together for them. And it doesn't feel sometimes like it's coming together for us, but we're not to fret. We can be still, we can be calm, because we know what God has promised us and that his promises are secure. They are that anchor hold for us. It's important to remember the past. It's important to remember the future. But sometimes it's just important to remember who Jesus is. And he is our source of security. In the Corinthians passage today, um, that's the New Testament reading, I'd encourage you to like meditate on that this week. Pull that out. Because 1 Corinthians is bringing us back to the face of Christ. It's saying this is the type of God who is your ultimate security. He is, his foolishness is actually wiser than the wisest man. His weakness is actually stronger than the strongest alive. Any strong force against you is going to be weak compared to his weakness. He's amazing. It's just put your trust in him. And then in 1 Corinthians, it says, put your trust in him because you are in him. You're in Christ. So all of our wisdom, our righteousness, our redemption, our sanctification is in him. That's how our ultimate security comes, is his presence with us, that we are in him. Author uh, Kurt Thompson, who has written The Soul of um, Shame, he talks about how um, children need something that we forget sometimes as adults that we all need. We need to be seen, we need to be soothed, we need to be safe, and we need to be secure. That's what allows a little child to like learn how to walk and walk away from their mom and dad. But it's also what allows us to go forward in what God has planned for us in our partnership with him. But the beautiful thing about that is we are never apart from someone who sees us. We're never apart from someone who keeps us secure. So our Matthew reading today in the gospel is what mission looks like. Um, though I do, I don't want to, uh, I want to kind of come back to Micah 6, 8 and, and the gospel reading of our Beatitudes because they're closely linked together. When Micah 6, 8 says, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, um, that's what's happening in our Beatitude passages. We're, we're loving and doing what is right and good. And we're doing it kind, from a place of kindness and mercy. But I think we're first doing it walking with our God. We're not doing it alone. So um, I'd like to bring up another analogy um, in this, because the anchor hold has that place of safety and security, but it has a sense of sort of staying in one place. Where mission has that picture of like, we're moving out. So here's the analogy that also came to my mind from a place of security. Rock climbing. Um, I, am, I have been rock climbing, 
at an indoor gym, but I would say that I am not a rock climber. So um, at an indoor gym, I've learned uh, in the time of rock climbing, it's very important your toe hold. That's what provides your sense of security and your place of security. So even when it's very small, that's the security where when you have a firm footing on that toehold, you're actually able to rest on the side of the rock face. Also, when you have your foot on that firm toehold, you're able to push off from that and move up, move forward. So I'd like to also think of how Jesus Christ not only is our anchor hold, but he is also that firm rock where we have a strong footing, that we are able to move up in mission. And when we walk with him, it's like we are being told where to put our foot on the next toehold. At an indoor rock climbing gym, they're color-coded. And so you know, like if you choose like the orange path, like you're looking for the next toehold that's orange and there's like the simple ones and the hard ones, but you kind of know what you're getting into. When you are rock climbing on a true and real rock face, there's no color-coded rocks. So this is what our Lord is though for us. He's the one giving us the Holy Spirit to guide us. And he's the one providing that sure toehold for us where we have, again, even as we move forward, upward in mission, we have that firm footing, that foundation, that place of security that even allows us to rest. And as we go forth in mission, walking humbly with him, I want to just point out that it's walking humbly with him, not him walking with us. So he's going to be the one that directs us of where that next firm hold is going to be. We do that with him. And I will say that we feel inadequate and prepared for that. So again, my rock climb, limited rock climbing experience, I always feel like, what have I gotten myself into? So as we feel inadequate and unprepared, our Matthew passage shows us, it's like it lays it out right from the beginning of Jesus' sermon, I'm going to first address your inadequacies. I'm going to first address your needs. You are mourning and you need comfort. You are meek and you need strength. You are poor in spirit and you need uh, to have my richness come into your life. You're hungry and thirsty and you need to be satisfied by me. And first off, he wants to say, as we go forth on mission, he fulfills all of our needs. We're completely prepared by him. We won't feel that, but he's promising that. It's one of his promises. In the next four Beatitudes that are in the Matthew passage, it's how we're to act on mission. And again, he says, I'm going to help you do this. You can't do it by yourself, but I'm going to give you everything you need. When you're merciful to others as you go forward in mission with me, I will just resupply you with mercy, which is really good to hear because mercy sometimes feels really hard to give out, like we won't have enough to keep being merciful. He says, when you're pure in heart, I'll notice, I'll see you. I will be there with you. Purity of heart is, is how we connect with people in mission. We do it not from a place of um, seeing someone as a project or seeing them as a way to get ahead, but purity of heart guards our mission. And God says, I see that, 
and I will help you know how to act in these right ways. As peacemakers, he's saying, blessed are you who are peacemakers. This doesn't just have uh, uh, like a solving con a conflict um, kind of implication in it. It's that implication that we're wholeness bankers. We're helping in the flourishing of our society as we bring peace. Um, peacemakers can't ever really control the outcome of their work. And the Lord is saying, I will be doing this with you. You are my son, an inheritor of all that I have. And I um, am going to bless you in that. And as we're righteous, the Lord reminds us, like, it's not always easy work to be righteous in our mission. Um, we will have people who don't understand us, and we'll have people who even revile us. But we've been given the kingdom of heaven. It's, again, that promise of the future. So we're given everything we need because we have a place of security. We're secure in Christ. We have a safety and a constancy and a tranquility as we go out in mission. We're reminded that we're chosen for this. As the liturgy, I love, um, instructs us that we go forth. We go forth in the power of the Spirit. We go forth rejoicing. So let's pray for that as we end this message. Lord, I'm just so thankful that it is the power that raised you from the dead that is at work in us. And I'm so thankful that you said you would never leave us or forsake us. Be our strong security, Lord. Be our anchor hold. Be our foothold. Allow us in greater ways to trust you to act. We just thank you, Lord, uh, that we do this together that we're co-partners with you and with one another. May we, may we rejoice in that. In Jesus' name, amen.